Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Idle Chatter. I am your host, Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer from Hackettstown, New Jersey, who is now Raptor R less because Ford came and picked the Raptor up right on time, as they said they would, and they took it to uh, places unknown. So that is what today's episode is going to be about. My impressions, and they're only my impressions, of the Ford Raptor R, the 700-horsepower pickup truck. Does the world need a 700-horsepower pickup truck? Well, I guess not. But we will see as this episode uh, progresses and rolls out, and maybe you will come to a uh, conclusion one way or the other. A couple of things I did want to touch base with you first. Well, first of all, and most importantly, I want to thank you all for listening, and I hope that everything is going well for you and that uh, your crops are growing, your animals are fine, your family is fine, and you are fine. And so I wish you all the best, and I greatly appreciate you spending this time with me. And this is the first, well, this week that this show drops, God knows when you're going to listen to it, uh, is I did the first extended version of the Hot Rod Farmer Minute, where I'm going to be uh, taking articles, short read, technical articles. This one came in and just under five minutes, four minutes and something seconds. And I'm going to be doing the Hot Rod Farm a minute that way for the foreseeable future and see how that goes instead of the 60-second or 70-second short show. I'm still calling it the Hot Rod Farm a minute. And in this time, I just called it an extended version of the Hot Rod Farm a minute. But you guys know uh, what it is. And I always like to do something like that because you, you know, you're always picking up, well, by God's grace, you're always picking up a new audience, right? So somebody happens to to click on and tune in and say, what the heck is this guy talking about? Hot Rod Farm Minute. This thing's gone for five minutes. So it must be a, a New York Minute, as my mother used to say to my father, right? And uh, I guess in New York, they used to say a New York Minute. And uh, I don't know whether... Uh, a New York minute was short or long in my in my uh, mother's context, the way she used it. It was long because my father was very long-winded as I am, and much to your chagrin as my audience. So that is uh, something there. And obviously I'm reading that, and my reading skills and my cadence may not be uh, professional at all. So I ask you to um, please forgive me for that. And the longtime listener, Mike Werner, said to me, don't worry about that. He said, because we'll know, we, we know we're not listening to our robot. So maybe sometimes you'd be better off listening to a robot than listening to me. And then the... Uh, it's, it's been well I got some I got some more corn in the ground and I, I still have some more to plant and uh, I've never planted corn in July so we'll see what happens but I came to the conclusion that if I if I finish planting and I can I cannot any longer do any uh, you know this year do any any more multiple plantings I just have to get it all in the field. Of course, the, the uh, clock is ticking, metaphorically, and I, I was, came to the conclusion that it's, I'm better off putting the corn in and uh, finishing, my whatever, finishing what I was supposed to put in 
and giving it to God and see what happens. If it, if it grows and matures, then I have the opportunity to try to market it if I wait and do so, I'm going to do two or three more plantings, and it doesn't come to maturation, then I have no opportunity whatsoever. So it's going to be one of those things in life, right? Like uh, going on an engine dyno, it's either going to work out real good or real bad, right? If you go on an engine dyno, you either make more power than you, than you thought, which is very rare, uh, or it either blows up or you're disappointed because it's a pig. So we will see what happens. So uh, God willing that uh, the good Lord will bless it and we will have those ex- those plantings to harvest and do something with because otherwise it's either going to become a very expensive deer food or it is going to be absolutely nothing. So I'd rather have it become expensive deer food and let the animals eat it and enjoy it instead of it never coming to fruition. And I can't leave the seed in the metaphoric bag because the good Lord cannot bless the seed if I leave it in the bag and so that's that I did another well since I got with you uh the time frame on podcasts are all messed up because uh I actually you know since I record these three or four days ahead of time and by the time you listen to it but I I didn't um which would be my fourth fifth planting uh last well was last week which means nothing to you if you're listening to it a month from now and um I'll tell you I love that planter oh my god even with all that trash in the field, I mean, it doesn't hairpin the seed. It's just, uh, it's, I can't see where I'm going, <laughs> but uh, trying to make straight rows because I can't see my row markers. But anyway, uh, with the trash in the field, but I just love that planter. And uh, we're planting now a different hybrid. I planted the same hybrid for, since 2008, and I could not get enough seed this year to plant the entire farm or the acreage that I do plant, I should say, is probably the more accurate way than saying the entire farm, uh, with that hybrid, so I had to take a different different hybrid. So hopefully, God willing, it works out well. Hopefully, the people like it. Uh, the other the other, the other, other uh, hybrid has been my, my signature corn. I say that for many, many years, and we've gotten quite a following with it. And I do have the one field with that in it, but the second field, the bigger field, is going to have a different hybrid in it. This one is called Obsession. So I know a lot of people plant Obsession. If anybody out there is a fan of Obsession and plants it or eats it or likes it, then just let me know. So uh, we will see what happens, and uh, God willing, it, it, works out, it works out well. But that, that, that planter just is beautiful. I love that planter uh that just that i'll tell you what and i've said this before on the show i mean i i i you know there's, there's nothing i don't like about growing corn except when it doesn't grow but anyway uh but the thing is that but you know in farming i love a tilled field i think a till a properly tilled nice evenly tilled field a field that doesn't have a lot of rocks in it, just beautiful soil, nice color structure, nice structure to it. it. looks fantastic. And then when you plant that specifically with corn or anything, but I'm, I'm 
I think corn looks the nicest coming up. I mean, beans doesn't to me it doesn't look as nice as corn coming up, but but I have nothing against it. And uh, and you have a beautifully tilled field with beautiful, visually beautiful soil. Doesn't mean it's that it's uh, good soil, just visually beautiful. And the corn starts to come up in rows. Oh, fantastic! I mean, that's I love that. But then I also love, in contrast to that, I love a uh, no-till field and having the corn pop up in what we would call for those who aren't doing farming we call it the trash right which is not somebody threw mcdonald's wrappers and garbage but it means that it's the uh, leftover cover crop and the leftover corn stalks and what have you and seeing that that corn pop up through that trash and that and that field looks uh looks like like you never were in there and that's what happens with us because people say oh my god i i i i'm and i'm i'm saying it respectfully oh my god you know there was no corn in there and it come and came up right overnight and now i could see it so it wasn't that they it wasn't that it came up overnight they could not see it until it got above the trash but i do find and if anybody i know i have a lot of agronomists and people that are much smarter than I am listening to this show, and that's a blessing to me, is that I do feel that there is another flip side of no-till planting in trash, uh, especially a lot of trash like I have, triticale, is that it, uh, it, 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 could affect, it could affect the emergence two ways, uh, positively or negatively, right? But the thing is that it could affect it negatively because it keeps the soil cooler, but in a dry year like we had, it could affect it positively because the, the trash acts like a mulch and keeps the soil a little bit damper. But what I did find is that once the corn emerges, is that since it's not, and this is, I may be 100% wrong, since it's not getting a full UV load from the sun because it's in this trash and the trash is filtering it out and shading it, it does not seem to grow initially as quickly as a tilled field that has a full uv load and heat load so it seems that once the corn gets above the trash and its leaves could have the complete photosynthesis that it seems to take back off again but it seems a little bit if we would would drag races would say slow out of the gates and that's 60 foot and not 60 footing well right some people in dry racing call it the 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 short time, the, 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 when you, the how quickly the car gets to six to the first sixty feet of the track. But like I said, that is my observation. If anyone has that, uh, has any data on that or or thoughts on that, which are much better than my thoughts, just let me know. And it's just an empirical observation of the time from as the seeds as the seed emerges to when it gets to be about uh, two inches tall. The plant. Uh, we did have a little bit of an obstacle this week um two a lot well, i think there was three or four but who knows right hey in life you just go with the punches but uh our beloved alley went missing for 48 hours but by god's grace and uh, she came home exactly at like 47 hours so she came home uh out of the blue we were uh my wife was uh, doing something we were already in bed and uh, she went out to the garage to open the door and there was Allie and she got Allie and brought her in thank god so she's fine so we'll call it 48 hours I guess she went on a as they would say in Australia a walkabout so they could walk about all they want as long as they come home safely 
so they could they could do all the walkabouting they want these guys and uh, these cats are definitely walkabouters so and then uh, so who knows but shortly after Allie came in we were in bed sleeping and then boom we heard thank god that Allie was in and she was safe and all the kittens were in the safe and a tree fell behind the house onto the house uh, we have a back deck. It came mostly on the deck. It came on the roof. There's, I don't know, I can't see if there's any roof damage. There's a lot of big limbs on the roof, and uh, it ripped the siding off. It uh, busted the railings on one part, one section of the railings on the deck. It actually, actually even broke a part of the decking floor, snapped it where, uh, where it fell down. It broke some of the... Uh, deck furniture or lawn furniture whatever you want to call it well actually one chair uh and they were, they were quite nice it's quite nice furniture we bought that years ago in north carolina america made it was very high quality beautiful you couldn't get it you can't get it anymore but but uh and let me see it did, it did a bunch of damage but thank god it did not come through the roof of the house thank god it didn't come through a window and and thank God it didn't come on any of the cats because at night some of the cats like to sit on the deck and lay there. And thank God that Allie was in uh, and she was not walking there when that tree came down. But boy, did that make, when you're sleeping and you didn't know whether a bomb went off or whether a, uh, a plane crashed or what have you. So in the scheme of life, absolutely nothing, right? absolutely nothing in the scheme of life i'd much rather have the house busted up instead of one of the cats busted up so uh that is a uh, house can be replaced the deck could be replaced shutters siding whatever furniture could be replaced god's creation animals and people cannot be replaced so that is that and i think some other point i think but hey it's life right you guys got the same thing happening it's just that you don't have a microphone to let the world know about it but uh so that is that so let's get to this raptor all right and a little bit of a backstory here a little bit of raptor uh, uh i don't know history or something and the thing is that the the raptor is based on the ford f-150 so when the uh, when the body is being put together on the assembly line it does not know that it's going to be a raptor all right so the raptor has a has a uh different interior as far as the seats are concerned i don't think the dashboard is any different um you know the so the interior the seats and everything is different and uh but other than that the real part of that what makes it a raptor and the raptor is supposed to be well, i shouldn't say supposed to be is a um off road uh, a street version of an off-road racing truck so like the baja 500 baja 1000 all right so with there are these off-road competitions and in off-road competitions there's different classes just like there was in drag racing right you got stocks you got stockers you got funny cars you got pro stock right so uh, i'm not privy to all the different classes but the raptor is designed or it's designed intent was to become a uh streetable street legal off-road racer so it'd be like saying that the uh the dodge which they don't make anymore right the challenger uh, uh demon 
and that new one, whatever they call it, Demon 170 with a thousand horsepower. Or oh, say the Demon, the, not the, the regular Demon. I mean, that was a, uh, a street legal drag race. It just not was, well, I guess it was because they don't make it anymore. Is a street legal drag race car. All right, so you got license plates, you got emission controls, but really a, a nine second drag race car. So the thing is that, uh, and that is, and the Raptor is a version of that being it's a street legal you could use it every day baja i'll say baja off-road racer so its essence is basically when you're doing that type of racing the whole important part of the vehicle is the suspension so the suspension and the shock absorbers and the suspension design and the tires and the ground clearance and the lift of the body and the wheel travel which is part of the suspension that's the essence that's going to make it a Baja racer, right? Whereas now the engine is, well, of course, you need to have enough power because any type of racing, there's a power horsepower component. So the original, well, the the original Raptor uh, had a uh, Ford EcoBoost 3.5 liter twin turbo EcoBoost. And whereas and it was rated at 500 or it is rated at 500 horsepower and then what had happened this is just a little chronology here so you could see where it came up but then the rapper did raptor did very very well and then there was a newer iteration of the f-150 and there's a new you know version of the raptor because it's based on an f-150 but the suspension the shocks everything underneath there is uh is, is really really unbelievable for you know it's designed for off-road and then the raptor had a 500 horsepower version of the eco boost whereas a regular f-150 had a had a i think a three just about a 400 horsepower don't hold me to these numbers and i know that the limited uh f-150 limited because i had one back in 2019 had 450 horsepower and the raptor had 500 horsepower so and i think a base base uh plain jane 3.5 eco boost has around 375 horsepower uh the engines are basically the same it's more the calibration and what they do with it so so the raptor had a five has a the, the base raptor has a 500 horsepower v6 this suspension meant meant for off-road racing all right and, and and obviously some different grill and some other things to make it look like a raptor all right so then what had happened was that a year or two ago ram you know my favorite brand ram who and i will say it because i i i have to i have to say it who will not give farm machinery just a vehicle to even come by because they're afraid that i'm going to break it carrying fertilizer but anyway so uh they came out with the ram trx which was a copy of the raptor theory i mean a copy it was on the same vein of the raptor i don't think it was quite as and and, and believe me this isn't this is this this is my honest opinion is nothing it's 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 i'm not making you know bad mouthing ram i don't think that it was as uh completely off-road baja racer design i think i mean it had it had a lot of those those design elements to it but i think the ford was a little bit more aggressive in my opinion as far as the suspension and a lot of and was 
suspension design and the suspension function but anyway but there's no denying that the ram trx was a formidable competitor to the raptor but what they did with the ram trx when it came out was that they went and they took maybe they had them left over who knows uh they had hellcat the hellcat challenger engines in there and then they uh and then you know they retweaked it uh, i should say well i guess they retweaked it right would be a proper term they tweak because was first it was tweaked now they retweaked it to give it a little bit more torque bias so it was a supercharged hemi i believe that's a 6.4 liter and um, a very stout piece it was based upon the hellcat design uh probably and maybe some changes in it or what have you but basically it's a hellcat engine and so they came out with this pickup truck with and they stated that i think it had 703 or 707 horsepower and um and now they upped ford as far as the horsepower was concerned because so this is horsepower wars years ago in the 60s and 70s we had horsepower wars with cars now we're having horsepower wars with pickup trucks and suvs different world right so what happened was that i guess um ford did not want to rest on their laurels so what they basically did was that they took the, the the supercharged Mustang engine, which they followed in the footsteps of the of Ram, right? Because Ram was using the Challenger engine, and they changed that. I I I don't know how much change Ram actually did uh, to the engine, other than the calibration, maybe camshaft or things of that nature. But Ford came out, and they have this engine that they call the, uh, I think they call it the Carnivore, and it's based upon the Predator series, and it's a 5.2 liter supercharged V8, and they're rating it at 700 horsepower. So now, there are two Raptors. The body is the same, the suspension is the same, everything is the same, the interior is the same, has Recaro seats, I mean, really beautiful truck, right? And the thing is that, uh, but now you get a base Raptor, which is the 500 horsepower V6, and as far as the horsepower is concerned, definitely outgunned by almost 50% by the TRX Ram, but there is no V6 TRX Ram, so it's either the only one engine, right? The Hellcat engine. And then you could now have a Raptor R, which is a uh, new for 2023. So it's the Raptor with the 700 horsepower, supercharged 5.4 liter, and I believe it's the same block as the as the as as the flat plane crank that was in the mustang but i believe it's a, a regular conventional crankshaft in it and not the flat plane crank okay so now we basically have a set we have a 700 horsepower raptor and i honestly don't remember if it was 702 or 707 on the ram trx so now they're right there within spitting distance of another because at that particular point it really doesn't make much of a difference so i had the 700 horsepower and that is called the raptor r r like ray r like race or like what r like whatever you want to say all right so if you say to somebody so you say i was listening to a show about the raptor r it has to be the r because that is the 700 horsepower engine so basically in essence 
the suspension, all of those designs and everything, the interior, the suspension, the shocking, the valves, uh, the the valve, the valve, um, the shock valving, and the the springs may be slightly different because of additional weight, but I don't know how much more it weighs. I don't think it weighs that much more than the V6. So who knows? But so I want to emphasize that that this is the Raptor R, which just came out for 2023. Okay, so that is what we are talking about. Now, in essence, I, as you know, that over the years I've built race engines and built street engines, and I know what it takes to make 700 horsepower. And if you were to, and uh, I've you know built 700 horsepower, built 1,000 horsepower motors, I think the most powerful engine that I ever was involved with was about a, I think just under 1150 maybe something like that but today that's like forget about it, right you go to the dealership and you buy a challenger at 1025 horsepower but anyway so if you were to do an internet search for raptor r then what basically comes up and is you get all of these people who got either and some of these trucks are in private hands i'm not going to say that they're not in private hands uh there's not a zillion of them they're not in every street corner the raptor r's but some of them did did get into private hands uh uh the past few months and these people do these youtube videos or whatever they're going to be movies they're going to be movie stars on youtube with this raptor R. but in essence if you look at it everybody all everybody all they're talking about is they're drag racing them they're beating they're beating them they're doing burnouts with them they're doing all this and what have you and uh and a lot of these guys are i mean there's one thing i saw i'm going to drag race this with the raptor and yeah and, it, and there's there's entertainment value with that all right it, it does get, get old quickly but there's entertainment value with that and if you want to go do that just do a internet search raptor r and you get a whole bunch of these youtube videos one guy is uh, racing a new toyota supra one guy is doing this he's, so whatever like i said entertainment value no true intrinsic analysis of anything or engineering overview yeah they may know that it has all different modes in the in, in that you could put into launch mode this whatever uh, so we're not even gonna get involved in that all right i'm not interested in that so what i'm gonna do if you want to have action if you want to see people doing burnouts if you want to say, oh look at that big pickup truck beating that supra right which it did <laughs> three i think uh for the first time the guy launched it wrong or something but uh three out of three times killed it all right so uh yeah that's wonderful entertainment we're not about entertainment okay we're about education and learning here so my analysis of the raptor is going to be completely different than anything that you will find in a magazine because everybody just talks about i think ford claims that it's zero to 60 in 3.7 seconds and you could probably get it down to at the 3.5 or so all right and uh and that's all i do show this all everybody's talking about so let's go into a different range and now let's talk about the truck itself well first of all i am going to say to you that the raptor r that i had which was an early production version it was built last year and it had 7500 miles when it came to me so actually 7355.8 miles on it and i could guarantee you from my experience in the industry 
that that was not an easy 7,355 miles. I mean, it was beautiful, body beautiful, no no dings, no anything. But, I mean, this thing was probably beaten, driven like it was stolen, and the police are in pursuit, all right? So, obviously, when you get it, you don't see that, but I'm sure that it did not have an easy 7,300 miles on it, all right? But, to Ford's credit, and, you know, you, you, you see stuff there, and you read stuff, and uh, you go on the internet, and there's a little bit too much information today, and in, in my estimation, and what I mean by that, there's too many, here it is, I got a podcast, I'm giving you my opinion, right? There's too many opinions out there, all right? Well, and yes, and everybody's entitled to their opinion, and uh, everybody's entitled, and if and, if and their opinion is you very well may be rooted in fact, or their experience, right, which you can't deny that, but there's just too much, too much, for lack of better words, just garbage going around out there, and the thing is that, you know, people say, oh, well, I, you know, uh, you, I had a Ford, or I had this and that, and whatever, and I had a problem with it, and, 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 uh, and that happens with every brand, right, oh, I had this, I had a Lexus, and the thing blew up, right, uh, you don't, you don't hear about that, you say, oh, I had a Lexus, most wonderful thing on a Mercedes, and Mercedes, forget about it, I, when I worked for B- BMW, Mercedes was right, I'm gonna say BMW Engineering, Mercedes Engineering was uh, two blocks away, I used to ride by it every day, so I used to see many test Mercedes come back on a rollback truck, and, and so BMW, but anyway, I so I so Ford itself uh, because they have a target on their back, and a lot of people like then like to like to talk about who has the target on their back. Right, the thing is that has gotten some black eyes in the past couple of years, and specifically during COVID. And everybody's got black eyes during COVID because machinery, cars, trucks, washing machines, farm tractors. Uh, anything that was made during COVID had a rash of issues. People put working with masks, supply chain issues, suppliers changing, just a nightmare. I particularly would not buy anything that was made during COVID because uh, I think you have a much lo- bigger chance, a greater chance of having some oddball failures, like a bolt that wasn't heat treated or what have you. But so getting beyond that, and each company had it, uh is that the build quality all right the assembly quality the I, i'll say the fit and finish the build quality on this raptor was phenomenal i mean i look at it through the eyes of engineering look at it through the eyes of being a test driver uh even though a test driver i look at body lines i run my hands over the body lines the, the hood had a slight misalignment and i mean so slight i mean uh, uh, it, it, i mean i'm picking as my as they say fly manure out of pepper all right uh the body lines the body creases the body stampings uh i mean were beautiful were perfect the the way the doors opened and closed the power windows and I'm, maybe it's in all f-150s but this is the only one i had they that truck had the quietest power windows that i ever ever experienced in my life it was like they were gliding on air like on 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 ceramic ball bearings i don't know what it was you didn't even hear the window motor 
you'd be pressed a button and you'd go and you'd say, oh my, you know, is the window going up? Is the window going down? It's, I mean, unbelievable. All right. So the build quality on this Raptor that I had, and it's meant in the Dearborn assembly plant, so it's not made in a special line someplace. Like I said, it doesn't know it's going to be a Raptor until later on down the assembly line. Uh, phenomenal. Phenomenal. Uh, so, and, and this truck did not have a squeak a rattle, a, a, a creak. It had absolutely nothing, nothing with it, nothing whatsoever. So the build quality was beautiful. The fit and finish of the exterior was was world class, perfect. The fit and finish of the interior, the interior was world class. It has Recaro seats in it. I mean, very just beautiful, beautiful. Uh, too much too much garbage too many buttons i think between the steer the steering wheel and the stalks i think there's 25 buttons right there so we won't even go there right because we're talking about the engineering of the vehicle we're not talking about the buttons right so uh so excellent excellent build quality and you have to re- you have to recognize i said this before on the show now that when you look at when you look at equipment whether it's a piece of farm machinery whether you look at um a vehicle, a truck, a washing machine, a grain dryer, anything, that quality comes in two different categories. So you have build or assembly quality. So that means that the person who put it together or the people that put it together, all right, and their assembly procedure was excellent. So that is, that's when you talk about fit and finish, how the panels fit, how the paint looks, how everything, how the doors close. So that's the build quality. But then, but that does not necessarily have any indication of the part or component quality you could have a you could have a let's say a vehicle or a farm tractor it's beautifully assembled and everything but the 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 engine has bad connecting rod bolts and the engines all blow up and 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 window to block so there's two different things there so at this particular point i'm saying that the build quality the assembly quality the fit and finish is phenomenal on this raptor that i had and knowing ford uh that <laughs> that unlike bmw when i used to work from used to give the the media ringers uh that caused that they went through a guarantee this thing came <laughs> off the assembly line and got beat from day one there was nothing special done to it right so but does, does that mean that the arguably that the ring and pinion the heat treat didn't get messed up no it does not mean that that's what time will tell but this truck was, as far as that's concerned, beautiful, all right? So now, within the auto industry, they have what they call as halo products, and I believe that the Raptor came to market as a halo product, because even though I'm the hot rod farmer, there's no one that truly needs a 700 horsepower pickup truck, okay so there's no one who needs that all right i'm sorry i'm the hot rod farmer if you can't get by with 500 horsepower you know get a life right but anyway but what a halo vehicle does is is a a, a, a historically and every car company uh for the most part i don't Uh, i shouldn't say every car company for most part has a halo vehicle or some semblance of a halo vehicle and it's a vehicle that they use that they put out into the marketplace oftentimes they lose money on them all right and uh 
and it could be varying amounts depending upon how how much the halo glows right is that but what it's meant to be is for someone to look at that vehicle or drive that vehicle and see that whatever it may be and uh, say oh my god look at that thing that's dropped that gorgeous oh my god it performs so well look at this oh it's so fast it got so much power right and it comes and it's bragging rights for the company and every company has a uh i mean hyundai came out with that genesis line so that whole genesis line of competing in the luxury space is meant to be a halo so you look at that and go oh, well this is a genesis oh this is beautiful oh my god this thing is so fantastic which whatever all right you say well who makes it hyundai well wow if they can make this then uh, they, they can make a hyundai so so a genesis is a separate brand toyota did that with a lexus right Oh, this is made by Toyota, but it's called Lexus. It's a it's a sub brand. Well, wow! If they get built to this to this level, then I'm going to buy a Toyota Corolla. So there's this trickle down effect, and then every car company has these halo vehicles. And I and uh, so I personally think, and this is the world according to me, right? Uh, is that the Raptor is a quasi halo vehicle for Ford? and rightfully so and i will explain to you why and it is based upon not the buttons that there's 25 buttons on the dashboard or steering wheel or whatever it is but the way this truck i'm not talking about the zero to 60 in three seconds type of deal this truck does absolutely nothing nothing wrong other than weighing 6,000 pounds empty. According to Ford, it weighs 5,950 pounds empty, all right? So it does absolutely nothing wrong. So we'll start with the simple things first, which is not, uh, I shouldn't say simple things. The Now, this had the 37-inch tall BF Goodrich. I forgot what tire it was on there. It's a very knobby-looking tire, but if you look at the tire, even though it has knobs, the gaps between the knobs were kind of tight all right so it's a knobby off-road type of tire the tire rode beautifully and the tire was impeccably quiet i saw that when they delivered so, oh my god this thing is going to be singing down the road like an old semi with 100 pounds of air and a bias by tire the t- zero zero tire noise so i know and i would i would have to think that that is a raptor specific bf goodrich tire that's made for them and you would probably not be able to buy it when these wear out i don't take that as gospel but i'd have a very good hinting suspicion you may buy the same or whatever the name was on the trail something whatever it's called uh, right and uh, and you may be able to to buy to buy something but it's not going to be the same i could tell you that right all right, that it's a that that that. Uh, oh, I, my opinion is that you're not going to be able to get that tire. Somebody's meowing here. Who's meowing? All right, um, so I'm not going to let him in. But I don't know if you can hear them. It sounds like it sounds like faith. It sounds like faith meowing. So uh, so so that zero tire noise between the suspension it has a five link rear suspension. It has these and it has these off road. The name of the company is Fox, F-O-X, <clears throat> shock absorbers. This thing rides better than a Mercedes. 
I mean, it is unbelievable. You would tend to think off-road, Baja race, are these big tires. And I guarantee you'd get back to the tires that Ford engineers worked hand-in-hand with the BF Goodrich guys. This wasn't like a handoff thing. I'll make us a tire and call us when it's ready. Like you're ordering a pizza, all right? And the same thing with the guys from Fox Shock Absorbers. So the shocks, the shock calibration is made it to that tire. The, the bushings in the suspension everything in there is unbelievable that truck is so compliant going down the road it rides better better than like i say i took a friend of mine roy who actually who did all the mechanical work on charlotte got her escape back it came out beautifully dale's custom auto body did a beautiful job on the paint and roy did a beautiful job on the mechanicals well everything's brand new from ford right so it's like like roy said it's like a brand new car well on that and to, to that extent but anyway so so he works on a lot of high-end cars and the thing is that the, i had him drive he says to me right this thing is better than a mercedes and he says i'm not talking about a forty i'm talking about a two hundred thousand dollar mercedes this thing rides better and is quieter than a mercedes so unbelievable and what that means to me is that you know when you look at engineering and when i teach this when i used to teach this i used to have a ball whatever i don't know it was a tennis ball so i don't hit anybody because i'm not too coordinated and i would go and i would throw the ball up a little bit catch it so i'm juggling the ball and then you could take two balls three balls so to juggle one ball is no great feat even i could do that now you try to juggle two balls it gets a little bit more complicated and when you try to have a when you're in when you're designing something in engineering the more balls that you have to juggle the harder it is it's just like having a picket fence stand of corn it's like having a high yield stand of a high yield being a high yield farmer the more that you have to juggle the more effort and talent and it, it it's so that's where the halo comes in is that you have to juggle these balls so this thing this this raptor suspension tire package shock valving bushing package five linked rear suspension design is juggling say this truck's got to go bahaing and it's also got to go on the cross bronx expressway and it's also now this truck that i had is a uh, the Moroni sticker on the one I had is not for sale. It's at all over, not for sale vehicle, not for sale because of pre-production. It was a hundred twelve thousand dollars at the time of printing the Moroni. Would have it actually is in the Moroni. Moroni says not for sale all over, no pricing, and then they send me an Excel file with the pricing. And it says as of that date it was a hundred. So that truck was a hundred twelve thousand dollars. So when you're looking at the demographic of that truck, all right, it's a, it's a and hopefully a higher demographic not somebody who's going to mortgage their soul and their kid's future to buy this truck so those people are are demanding to a certain extent but what that also means is that ford recognized that that truck is not going to be just uh, that truck may never even see off-road right but it has to be able to do off-road so they juggled all those balls and i have in kudos kudos to those suspension guys kudos to those calib the suspension calibration guys those spring those bush everything in that suspension that thing is beautiful and it's a sad state of affairs that you need a baja ready truck to be able to to take to ride on the paved roads of new jersey but 
that thing is phenomenal no no hop in the back like an empty pickup truck no hop zero go over washboard road at 70 miles an hour blah, 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 blah. nothing that sucker don't move an inch all right it doesn't feel like it loses its composure whatsoever you take it on a twisty turny you know country roads i mean even with that high center of gravity i'm just thinking you practically need a parachute to get out of it right with that 37 inch tall tires no body lean uh very very stable a high level of confidence in your driving because sometimes you drive some of these higher vehicles and you say well they're great off-road but they feel like they want to tip over on on the road nothing beautiful i can't say anything i i could not critique it that suspension calibration the ride the handling what so could not critique it if i wanted to could not i'd be making up stuff like a person who goes to that, that, that a catholic that goes into into the confessional and makes up something to tell a priest i'd be making up something perfect all right so now let's go to the next step and we're working our way to the engine the 700 horsepower on the highway all right thing is beautiful beautiful and I, I mean stable quiet is a you could slightly hear it's 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 got a performance type of sounding exhaust on it but the way they did that exhaust and the way they did it you know it's there you hear it slightly totally totally unobtrusive totally totally unobtrusive and 70 miles an hour down the highway you just hear perfect did they nail that unbelievable i mean unbelievable and to the credit of the f-150 because remember that body doesn't know it's an f-1 that's a raptor until later on down the line all right zero zero wind noise and when i'm talking about wind i'm not talking about a bad wind window seal and it's whistling i'm not talking about that but it has these big this that that truck that f-150 must have had a zillion hours in the wind tunnel and ford actually has a new wind tunnel but you know and, and same credit to other brands i had a chevy silverado but uh but it wasn't as high or as, or as big as this and the thing is that and the raptor has a little bit different front grill same fenders so it gives it appearance of being more brick-like than probably in regular f-150 would may or may not but no wind noise and as i said what i mean by wind noise is that what you're listening for is the sound of the wind the air at 65 70 whatever road speeds going across the mirrors going across the body and lots of times those big mirrors make a lot of noise because the sound because the air going across those mirrors uh buffets and creates little eddies and they spin around like this and they make noise and and if if you don't have and you say how does air make noise well listen to the wind right if you go you're you're outside you're out in the cornfield and let's say it's a let's say it's a cornfield and it's in february so there's nothing on the ground i mean nothing no standing corn you could hear that and if you're, you're out there in north dakota and that wind is whipping there's no trees there there's no corn and you hear that wind well wind makes a lot of noise and when you're going 70 80 miles an hour whatever 50 miles an hour down the road that's akin to a straight line wind in the cornfield or out in the hay field or what have you so the thing basically is, is that zero zero wind noise on that truck and i know that that's a combination of of excellent aerodynamic engineering and then probably some uh 
sound deadening in key places but phenomenal thing is it's quiet as a tomb inside quiet as a tomb so you could take that truck you could uh, you know you go on a road trip with it that's not beating you up and what um, nothing nothing whatsoever fantastic all right so we had suspension we spoke about suspension calibration we spoke about wind noise all right we spoke about build quality assembly quality fit and finish okay so now let's talk about the transmission it's the 10 speed transmission in there it does skip shift and the torque converter and the transmission which i have seen with a lot of vehicles today or i should uh pickup trucks i should say because i've been basically testing pickup trucks for the past four or five years they i mean the gm truck the nissan titan i had that was kind of actually whatever no disrespect maybe it was just that one that was actually kind of sloppy it was like almost like they had a uh they either you know when I, when I road tested the titan a few years ago and i stopped making it now and uh i'm not laughing because uh but they stopped making it that that truck was like it, you know like when when you were at an elementary school and a teacher said write a composition that does 300 words and then you counted the words and you were like a 298 so you put the end and you end and then you ended well that that truck was i don't even want to say it was half baked the titan it was like they took it out of the oven long before it was ready as far as their engineering their quality control was concerned but uh but the uh torque converter and the transmission on this and this has four ten gears in it the torque converter i love the talk oh my god in heaven if you could fall in love with a converter you could fall in love with that in a raptor now i don't know how it is in the other f-150s i know though i had a uh eco boost power boost whatever they call it a year or two ago that's the one that's the hybrid powertrain also and that torque converter was very very nice but the torque converter on this f this raptor r is a sweetheart i mean and you can say how can you fall in love with a torque converter well you know i'm a wacko right but the thing basically is is that if you were ever involved to some level it doesn't have to be you know to a high level if you were ever involved with what it took what it takes to make a torque converter respond properly have the proper stall speed which is the slippage and then go from stall speed to being hydraulically linked with the stator and the rotor and the converter and to smoothly go with hydraulically with no with with no drift of the stall speed where it's slipping a little bit this torque converter was oh my god beautiful beautiful i mean so and what does that mean to you so, oh, i don't give a damn about the torque converter hot rod well that means that if you're on the farm if you want to hook up a trailer if you're climbing you're you're rock climbing with this right you're you're going off-road with it and you need to give it a little bit of throttle and you need to give it a little bit that you have that that slight free play right off a closed throttle that that little bit of a loose point all right which is what you which gives you your control because if it's too if it comes if the converter doesn't have enough slippage right off the throttle right off of idle then the vehicle is going to be very jerky and if you're trying to let's say you're trying to pull a big a heavy load you're trying to pull a trailer all right a heavy trailer and you want to get that going you need that little bit of slippage it'd be like 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 riding the clutch out a little bit and perfect torque converter is beautiful 
all right gorgeous and right at the right point it it it, it i'm not i'm not gonna say lock up but it's because it's it is a lock up converter but that's not what i'm talking about that hydraulically it functions beautifully gorgeous gorgeous and with that exhaust oh my god it used to give a little bit of oh, beautiful right so uh transmission the transmission is is dead dead on the money dead on the money all right it skip shifts so it'll go one three five which most of those 10 speed do because they hunt back and forth they usually go one three five seven and then nine and ten is not skip shift it goes in sequence i mean if you're driving it lightly all right so uh beautiful you do not know that that transmission shifts and it is always always in the right gear all right always in the right gear i mean it's it's like it anticipates what <laughs> it's like it's like oh he's gonna come and hit it now i see this road is straight he's gonna it's always in the right gear and it is it is so responsive it's downshifts and it's upshifts so specifically it's downshifts because we can kind of anticipate an up every automatic can kind of anticipate an upshift but it can't anticipate when you're going to whack it all right so uh it instantaneously into the proper gear okay instantaneously transmission beautiful torque converter beautiful all right better than really honestly better than a two hundred thousand dollar mercedes or bmw uh, honestly and i'm just saying all right so that's that's that all right now let's get to what we're talking about the 700 horsepower engine and the thing is that you know to build as i said in the beginning of this show i and i'm not bragging by no means because it's actually today it's not even bragging right just like you made 700 horsepower you're embarrassed to come out right stay stay in the shop or stay on a farm you only made 700 horsepower but the thing is that uh what to make 700 horsepower emissions certified 700 horsepower and put it in a truck with a tow package all right and big goonie tow hooks on the front and back but with a you know a, 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 you know receive a hitch on it with a tow package on it and what have you is really really remarkable so you say why is that so remarkable all right it's so remarkable because what has to happen is that you have to over design everything because you know somebody's going to hook up a trailer to that sucker all right all right whether it's a you know big airstream or travel trailer or a horse trailer or a race car trailer or whatever this big heavy on aerodynamic trailer and they're going to have this i'll use the word machismo for lack of better words i think there's probably a better word than that but i can't think of it at this particular time and they're gonna go and they're gonna be going up a hill someplace in a mountain road or whatever and they're gonna be you know look at my rap that horsepower and he's gonna be racing this guy with his diesel and uh and want to blow his you know he doesn't care care uh i remember years ago i was uh Charlotte and i were going through keokuk iowa if anybody knows Keokuk, I know I have some listeners in that area. As, as you go into the bridge, uh, or, or come from the bridge from Illinois, or going towards the bridges like Main Street, I, I call it Main Street, but it's a pretty wide street. And there was this guy there, and uh, he had a diesel pickup truck, and he had a big trailer, a big travel trailer hooked up to it. And it was one of those things where he was rolling coal and everything, which is absolutely ridiculous and waste. 
and there was another guy next to him. And this guy was basically drag racing, <laughs> drag racing the other truck with no trailer, um, stoplight to stoplight through Keokuk, Iowa. And uh, I think that it may have been a Ford Power Truck, or it was either a Ford or a Cummins in a Ram. It wasn't a Chevy. I know that. I maybe the other truck was a Chevy. I honestly don't remember. And the thing is that so you're going to have some somebody, and I'm going to use the word yo-yo, all right, respectfully yo-yo, that he's going to take this. I bought my $120,000 truck, and I'm going to show this guy that my 700-horsepower Raptor could pull his Airstream trailer triple axle up the hill and pass him, you know, and, uh, and he's going to keep it matted. All right, and he's going to keep it matted, so that means there's going to be a lot of cylinder pressure. It's supercharged, a lot of heat. And this thing is going to have to live. And that is why it is so remarkable to make a 700 horsepower engine that is going to cold start, that's going to idle well, it's going to sit in traffic. It's going to, and other than pulling the air, the, the big Airstream trailer and racing somebody in Keokuk, Iowa, I did all of that to the Raptor. I got caught in bumper to bumper traffic with it. It idles in gear at 700 RPM. You don't even, like an electric motor, you don't even feel it, that it's running, all right? If you didn't look at the tack, and it's a digital tack, but, uh, which I'm disappointed in. But anyway, beautiful, right? Cold started. Well, cold started in summertime, cold started, which is, actually we say cold start, meaning an ambient start is probably the, well, that probably is the proper way to identify it in engineering. Ambient start, hot restart, all right? doing all of this the thing does absolutely nothing wrong it is a dr jekyll and mr hyde engine and remember what i was saying about the juggling the balls anybody can make 700 you know 700 horsepower is at wide open throttle so that's like having you know when, when uh, and you guys know i'm a drag racer was a drag racer if, if you know a picket fence i keep going back a picket fence stand the corn when you're building drag racing engines and tuned drag racing engines, is a drag is a car, an engine that drives through the pits to the staging lanes nicely, nicely, beautifully. I mean, yeah, it's a big, it's a high horsepower, but you could give it a little bit of part throttle, and then if some kid walks in front of you, you could stop. And all right, so when you're asking it to do this to a drag race engine, it's supposed to be running 8,000 RPM for five seconds. All right, six seconds for it to drive through the pits, for it to start easily, drive through the pits and drive what we would call cleanly, that right through the pits. All right, go to the go 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 to the pits, go into the staging lanes, go up to the burnout box. All right, come into the water, do a burnout, whatever style burnout, whether you whack it there or, or whatever you want to do whack it do that cleanly when i mean clean that 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 the that this that, it, that the exhaust is just sharp and crisp and right and the engine is sharp and crisp then go in depending upon the drag race car if it's an automatic go up on the trans brake and then launch and do all that clean do that perfectly that is where i i don't care what kind of car it is i you know what kind of engines i tip my hat to because that's a truly tuned drag engine and when you have so it's not just an engine, you know, you'll have guys in the thing will go like like stink at wide open throttle, but it's can't can't get through the burnout box or get through the pits without that's not. So this raptor doesn't nothing wrong. 
and to get a, se- a, a 700 horsepower, and I'll tell you one thing, it's got every bit of 700 horsepower from driving it. I'll tell you that. Now, that's and I'll end the show with it. But to start to do everything, to be able to sit in traffic with the AC on, no matter what you do to this thing, it don't care. It just doesn't care. I mean, it's like, who cares? It's a big deal. Want me to sit in traffic? I'll sit in traffic. You 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 want me to make seven hundred horsepower? Makes and to me, that is so amazing because I have a quasi idea of what it takes to accomplish that and to pass emissions. To pass emissions, I guarantee you that that truck, if it was, didn't have to pass emissions. What I shouldn't say that truck, that engine. That's an 825 to 850 horsepower piece, easy. And I'm going to say dirty, where it didn't have to pass emissions because that, and you can't appreciate any of this. And I say it respectfully, unless you were truly involved with it and know how strict the cold start emissions are, how strict the drivability test is, uh, how strict all that EPA test is. And, And you have to keep in mind also, and whenever I say that, I'm saying that respectfully, is that the EPA, when they do anything, right, whether it's a semi, whether it's a, a, a combine, whether it's a car, a Raptor, whatever it may, they do what they call a bag test. They weigh the emissions. They put this big bag on the exhaust, which is akin to almost like a, a silage bag. If anybody, everybody who uses farming knows what a silage bag is, and they actually weigh because they look at grams per mile. They don't look, so that's what they weigh the exhaust. So for an, a, a, a truck like this, or an engine like this, I should say, all right, in a Raptor, and a, and a pickup truck calibrate, a pickup truck certification is no different than a passenger car. Once you start to get into like class six, class seven trucks, class eight trucks, you get into different horsepower levels in farm machinery, then the, then the, the standards it has to meet kind of skews or varies. But in something like this, it's I mean this has to this has to pass the same emission test as a as as a uh, an escape or a Hyundai or whatever. No, no different whatsoever. And to the same credit, just like the uh, you know the uh, the Hellcat engine, and then also you know the that that rate uh, whatever you call it, the Demon 170 with 1,025 horsepower. But you're not going to be towing an airstream trailer with the demon. Yeah, it's an eight-second car. It's going to make that make that power for five, probably seven seconds out of the eight seconds. All right, but this, but completely different. So when when you see when you know that what it has to accomplish, you know, just like I'm just using this as an example, because I, as you all know, and as many of you are, so this is not blowing tooting my own horn by no means. But when you have a business or had a business and you had to make payroll every week, that's completely different. I don't care whether it's a farm, whether it's a factory, whether it's a trucking company, whether you are a doctor. I know we have doctors and you have people working in the office. All right, the thing, when you have to make payroll every week, you have you look at things a little bit differently. And when somebody comes to me, if I meet somebody, I don't care what kind of so geez, how many people are working for you guys? I got eighty-two people working for me. My knee-jerk reaction to them is that's a lot of paychecks to come up with every week. So the thing basically is is that when you look at all of the things that these that that, that this engine has to meet to accomplish this and still make this power and to pass the emissions tests and what have you 
then then you realize what is it just like coming up with the 82 paychecks every week is a challenge unless you are Ford Motor Company and then it's 82,000 you have to come up with every week but anyway is that it's not that easy and and also you have to keep in mind <clears throat> that the tests that the SAE test stand, and I've spoken about this on the show before, and this is not just for Ford, this is for everybody, all right? When they say this engine has 700 horsepower, you go buy a whatever, a, a Chevy Cruze, I don't even know if they make them anymore, it's 136 horsepower, whatever it may be, or whatever whatever, whatever engine that you want to name, a, a utilitarian engine, that that's an SAE test standard, Society of Automotive Engineers, that has a very, hot, a very elevated coolant temperature, and a very elevated intake air temperature <clears throat> and usually <coughs> excuse me <coughs> a middle of the road a middle of the road barometer because intake temperature cooling temperature a barometric pressure the amount of humidity in the air all affect the horsepower excuse me so when so when the factory says it's x amount of horsepower that that's under i don't want to say terrible conditions but not ideal conditions when you read like hot rod magazine or whatever well that still exists but but anyway <clears throat> you go somebody you know has a engine built at a, at a shop i'm just going to uh, put the dragster on for a second get some water here Okay, I'm back a, a New York second, right? But anyway, I built this. I went to the shop and they built my engine. And I'm making 942 horsepower. Yeah, that's 942 horsepower, but that's not as an SAE standard. That's a cool. That's cold, cool air or cooler air, ambient, whatever. It's just not. It's not the same. So, 942 horsepower on a on a. It, and the guy's not cheating on the engine shop. I don't want you to imply, I don't want to apply that whatsoever. But that's probably uh, an 860 or 870 horsepower if you tested it to the OE conditions. So anyway, so when you look at all of this, all right, they have to really make this because you don't want the guy to buy it and, and blow it up, all right? So you really have to do it so it's amazing. And that truck, and that truck has every bit of the 700 horsepower all right i could tell you in which i'm going to get to in a minute really get ready to close and once again does nothing wrong uh i got 15.2 miles per gallon driving it around normally you have to watch the speed on it you just drive it normally the thing is especially like in a, a 25 30 mile an hour zone between the suspension <clears throat> which we discussed the quietness inside and that engine you're easily doing 50 in a 25 zone all right so you got to be very very careful with that truck and you really have to get to learn to watch the speedometer which i have always done but oh my god i don't want to get ticket with this thing all right so but i got 15.2 miles per gallon with it which to me i can't live with all right if you could live with it 
Uh, my friend Gene Roar said he used to get 10 miles or 15 miles per gallon with his Dakota RT. 360 all right but whatever i can't live with that's actually three times the amount of gas my fiesta uses all right and obviously my fiesta uses regular you got to use premium in this it goes without saying so i could not live with that but some people think that's not bad all right and uh and then after taking it in well since ford is listening i'll say exercising it i'll leave it at that all right it only dropped down to like 14.3 so it seems to be in that 15 mile per gallon window unless you're a real maniac all right and uh and uh so that 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 is remarkable all right and uh i want to talk more about about the engine so that was where i am with the fuel economy all right but what i can tell you is that this thing is you know i love animals so i don't even like to use the word this thing is an animal it's a beast i mean it is a beast it weighs six thousand pounds empty all right uh you could take this truck you could i never i didn't i have a road up here which you know in street races if you listen watch any you talk to any street you guys are really some guys really big into street racing and they say oh we're going to mexico they're not going to mexico south of the border because of all of these youtube videos and everything when they say mexico that means an undisclosed location because the cops could go on the on the watch the youtube and say oh that's where they race over there on 42nd avenue right so the thing basically they say, oh we're going to mexico we're in mexico well i have my mexico road here all right it's fairly long it's straight it's very 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 safe there's cornfields well this year one side has corn one has beans on it but it's there's no houses there's no animals there's nothing there's a good shutdown all right it's it's uh i don't race anybody but that's my roll it in and whack it's a test spot all right and then i also do some stuff on the highway mexican highway mexico highway undisclosed locations all right well you could and i always roll into i always roll into the vehicle because no he's i'm on just to sit there beat it up smoke the tires i mean i'm not the youtube guy look at my thing smoking the tires i'm not that i want to see how it goes right but i want to see how it goes i want to feel how the engine pulls i want to feel how the transmission shifts i pay attention i'm i'm not I guess I, I like to uh, because of my background respectfully i'm saying i'm not bragging there's a lot of things that i like to pay attention to right you know so the thing is that so i'll, I'll go into a 10 what we'd call a 10 mile an hour roll or 20 mile an hour roll, depending upon the situation and i'll whack it right well this thing takes off like you like you stuck a burning dagger up its tushy all right takes off and you have to remember this vehicle is unaerodynamic and it's supercharged so supercharged means that the level of boost is linked to the crankshaft speed whereas turbocharging all right the the level of boost is 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 boost is intrinsically linked to the velocity of the exhaust leaving the cylinder head the exhaust part where supercharger so this thing takes off right oh my god right and it's unaerodynamic as a brick wall even though i said they did a lot of aerodynamic work all right for quietness but still a big goonie high sitting pickup truck with very very wide 
uh, Baja 1000, Baja 500 tires on it. And you have to, that's why drag race cars have skinny tires in the front because you'd be surprised how much wind resistance you push. So this thing is, this thing is, 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 is no, uh, aer- you know, has a very high coefficient of drag with everything that it has on going against it. Well, this thing takes off, right? And whereas most street vehicles, I'll say cars, right? Street vehicles on the cars, even you know, good, you know, fast ones like a new vet or something like that. When you start to get around 75, 80 miles an hour, 90 miles an hour, you know, they're still pulling, but you can see like the kind of the edges off of them. Well, you know, there's two types. I'm not a pilot, never was, but there's two types of procedures i'll say that an airliner uses to take off all right and if you notice this all right you could have the guy come onto the runway the approach would take off and sometimes they actually power brake i'm like a drag race car the guy's got the brakes and and the thing is the plane is starting to vibrate and he lets it go and i don't know what the protocol is when they do it one way whether it's the pilot's preference or the tower tells them and then the other one is that they kind of roll on to make that turn. It's always a right angle turn onto the drive, onto the drive, onto the runway. And then the guy whacks it, right? And the guy whacks it, and the thing starts to build. And all of a sudden, you could feel this airliner just pushing you back in the seat, right? And the thing is that most cars, I mean, unless it's a real actual drag race car, but most street legal cars, right? You know, they probably about 70, 80 miles an hour, 90 miles an hour. They, you know, they're still pulling, but that initial surge, that G-force has kind of waned. Well, this Raptor, all right, it feels good. I mean, it feels really, really good up to about 70, 75. But then it gives you the airline feel, the airliner feel. You're going 75, 80 miles an hour, and this thing starts to come on, what we would say come on to the pipe, just a, a terminology, right? This thing starts to push you further back in the seat at 90 miles an hour. And it's a brick, it's a semi, it's a freight liner going down the road. This thing is, oh my God, I mean, it just, it really starts to feel good at 90 miles an hour and starts to pull like uh, like an airliner. You, 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 it's, it's feeling good and then all of a sudden, this thing is, it's actually pulling you back in the seat. Unbelievable. It hits the speed limiter at 114 miles an hour it's legitimately an 11 second quarter mile truck but you will not see an 11 second time slip on it with you probably see a 12 1 12 2 12 0 time slip with the speed limiter because it reaches the the speed limiter at like a thousand feet and a quarter mile is 1320 so this thing is and that's why i say it's gotten every bit of 700 horsepower and then I saw a video with one guy who has one down in Florida, and uh, he does a lot of this YouTube stuff, and he has one, and it was hot down in Florida, and he chassis dyno, he has a chassis dyno, and he put a, I think it made 590 at the tire, which would, and it was hot, and he doesn't cool stuff down, so it was a hot 590, so that means it's, it's, it's real, more than real, all right, and then what they basically did is they had the hood open, and he had one of his guys stand there with a nitrous bottle. And I watched it. And nitrous, for those who are not race car guys, nitrous is mother nature in a bottle, all right? It's oxygen. It's, uh, it's uh, so uh, the thing basically, well, I should say it's oxygen because it's not oxygen, it's nitrous oxide. But anyway, it's mother nature in a bottle. 
So what he did is he had to, at 5,000 RPM, and the sucker pulls to seven grand, it goes bang, and at 10 speed just bangs those shifts off. Oh, my God. All right, and the thing is that it so at about 5,000 RPM when he was making a dyno pull, he had the, the, the guy just, and I watched it, he just opened it. He's standing about four, the hood was open. He's standing about four feet away from the air intake. And the air intake on this truck, pardon my language, sucks, stinks, because I know Ford is big on air and uh, snow ingestion, and it probably has another 30 horsepower with a better air intake. But anyway, so the guy's about three or four, maybe four or five feet away, just goes, like that. That's the exact amount. You see, the fog of nitrous coming to get sucked in. That engine on the dyno went from, I think it was 580 to 642 with that little of nitrous, not into the motor into atmosphere and part of that to suck in so what does that tell me as a calibrator that thing is pig rich at wide open throttle pig rich probably on the verge of blowing black smoke years ago the old japanese turbo cars were that way nissan 300 zx uh, mitsubishi 3000 gt the other ones the talons whatever they were they were pig rich at wide open throttle all right, they were like 9.9 .9 to 1, just on the verge of blowing black smoke because they did that because the fuel is a coolant. So you don't take a ring lane off a piston. And when I saw this, and I we used to race some nitrous motor, when I see it go like that with a nitrous hit, and at 5,000 RPM, not through the whole range, and just a quick, I don't even think it was a second, second and a half, four feet away, that means 80 or 90% of that juice, that's the slang for nitrous, didn't get out into that motor. And that little amount of mother nature in a bottle gave it so gave it what I sixty more horsepower. Then that thing is on the verge of blowing black smoke, and that's how they get that wrap that motor to be able to go there and have a tow a trailer with wide open throttle and makes makes seven hundred horsepower. And that sucker's making seven hundred horsepower all day long, and it don't care. So. If I guarantee you somebody's not, there's going to be probably a Ford calibration comes out that's going to lean that thing out and give a different air intake and that's going to be I'm guessing an 850 horsepower piece at the crank so the thing basically is I went way long with my enthusiasm I am looking at the Raptor I mean would I buy one no I'm not in a demographic to buy a $112,000 pickup truck. And in so many ways, it is not, uh, yes, can you use it on the farm? Of course you can, but it's too, it's it's not meant for that. It's not meant to be a farm truck, all right? It's meant to be a Baja racer or, or it's actually a better everyday family vehicle driver, as long as you don't mind the height getting in and out, then it would be a farm truck in my estimation. Not, it would, you know, not that it couldn't do it, but but the thing is that can i live with 15 miles per gallon no not in my business and in my lifestyle i can't live with 15 miles per gallon but 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 the engineering the 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 competence the end that truck is unbelievable in every way shape and form other than the things that i nitpicked about all right so that is what i look at so it's like looking at a high yield farmer or looking at an sr 71 you know spy plane all right the thing basically is is that 
that that truck I'm repeating it did absolutely nothing wrong all right absolutely did nothing wrong far exceeded my expectations I thought it was going to ride like a buckboard I thought it was going to get single digits fuel economy which it obviously didn't at 15.2 15.3 I didn't think it was going to pull like that I didn't think I thought it was going to be noisy inside I I I thought I it just uh, it just 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 surprised me in every way so I have to say kudos to the Ford Motor Company kudos to that engineering team and I'll tell you one thing whoever designed every aspect of that truck the engine the transmission calibration torque converter suspension those guys were they're car guys you're not getting those results by not having gasoline going through your blood and to the people in the Dearborn plant who screwed it together kudos to you and I am just so proud of that Raptor even though I would never own one because I have no use for it so proud of that Raptor and so proud that it is American and made in Michigan so I want to thank you so much sorry for going long but I'm so excited about the accomplishments of that truck that truck should be on a stamp all right on a u.s postal stamp for everything that it accomplishes so you have a blessed blessed day and we'll catch you next week bye bye